Hello, my name's Kia. For those of you just joining us in this episode, a quick introduction to myself. I'm an F1 doctor and a UCL grad, and this podcast is here to help you prepare for life as an F1. this episode I continue my conversation with Aram and discuss a bit about the stress of taking work home with you and how to avoid it. Aram will also be talking to us about a case of conflict in the workplace and will conclude with her final words of advice. Um, something you mentioned as well that I want to pick up on is you, you said you know I was thinking about it at midnight when you got home and that's a real feature of being a new F1 <laughs> I think. Mm. Um, I didn't really yeah. experience it much in psychiatry, but as soon as I started surgery and when I had a longer list of jobs, I'd find mm. myself waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> remembering, crap, did I do that job that was on my list? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something you'll get at all experience, I'm afraid. There's no way of really protecting yourself from that. But what you need to know is just because, you, you know, your subconscious will worry about certain things like that mm-hmm. initially. But you need to know that it's not all on you. If you've forgotten to do a job, it's more than likely that the night team will be bleeped about it. They'll remember if it's something like fluids prescribing. Yeah, it's annoying that you didn't do it, but someone else will be there to catch it. So don't go home and revise your list. I mean, don't take your list home mm-hmm. anyway, but don't go home, go through your list in your head, in your head and thinking, did I do this? Did I do that? Yeah. Um, just remember that there are other people in hospital and there are multiple safety nets there to try and catch anything that people have forgotten. It's human nature. We're going to forget things. You can't do all your jobs. Um, but if on another note, that's something that I know that's quite valuable. If, if you've forgotten to hand something over, you can always call switchboard. If you don't have the, mm-hmm. the person's mm-hmm. number, you can call the hospital switchboard from home and ask them to put you through to the night shift cover for whatever ward. Um, and that way you can hand it over Um, but try not to take the stress home hand things over and remember that home is your safe place otherwise you're just going to burn out and I think it takes a degree of humility and trust yeah like you know trust for your team to know that you aren't the only person looking after this patient exactly there are about at least five ten other people on a ward at least you know with nurses pharmacists other doctors who and even their own families who will care about the patient and pick up on things um and I think that was a big thing I remembered that it's not all on me Mm. um to do it definitely and yeah you just have to back yourself you've done five or six years of medical school um and to get to this stage you've done enough um it is scary for sure but um I've some people said it to me and I'll say it to you guys even though I didn't believe it you know everyone's had those bad days at the beginning everyone's gone through it even if they don't necessarily act like they have later on um so you've just got to be kind to yourself as well yeah and if you are ever going through a really really rough patch on an intense rotation it does get better not only Mm. because you gain experience but you know your team might recognize that you're having a difficult time if you vocalize it but um I I no longer wake up (laughs) worrying about jobs that I've missed for example you just get used to it so um, don't be shocked that it's happening and try not to let it take over your life outside of medicine
So I wanted you to maybe discuss about a scenario that you had um, where you found it difficult either due to an ethical dilemma or due to professionalism, similar to like SJT kind of scenarios, but real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you could um, introduce the case and I'll introduce as to <laughs> to what I found on discharging the patient. Yep, sure, that's absolutely yeah. fine. So um, a little bit of background to this case is by I was in my second rotation and I was on surgery. I was working my on-call week. So as the F1, you hold a bleep and you often get bleeped out the patients that have just been admitted and you'll sometimes take referrals from the GP liaison service. Um, the biggest thing they remind you is that you're not allowed and you're not meant to take referrals to take over care about patients or, you know, admit patients from other wards who that team feel need a surgical review. So having said that, um, it was coming to about five o'clock on another busy on-call shift. um, And I was bleeped by a medical SHO with regards to a patient who, in his words, had a surgical problem. So I explained to him that He bleeped the FY1, so obviously I couldn't accept the patient and I wouldn't be the one to review. Um, And I asked had he um, bleeped the SHO or the actual registrar who would be able to help. Um, I can't quite remember whether he said he had bleeped them or not, but he proceeded to tell me about the patient. So I thought, okay, if the registrar and the SHO are busy, I might as well take the details of the patient. So I tried to get an S-bar off of him. So I got what the situation was. And this was a gentleman who'd come in through the medics, but on his CT was found to have um, very severe cholecystitis, which effectively he thought um, needed to be taken over by the surgeons. Um, Then I got some background, you know, his past medical history, got his OBS, what the doctor thought about his case. And then um, basically, obviously, I knew from the beginning, he said I needed to take over the care. So at the end, um, when I said my registrar will come review the patient, he said, no, you guys need to take over care. And I explained, obviously, I can't make that decision, to which he said, um, it's your jobs as surgeons to take out the gallbladder. Um, I don't see why this is an issue. Um, Just at that point, the SHO came in. So I spoke to her. And she said the same thing I said, which was, he needs to speak to the registrar. Mm. So then I relayed that information to him. And obviously, I appreciate, I think this was coming to the end of his shift. And so I think he was keen to hand over and get cracking on with his other jobs. Mm. Um, So I relayed what the SHO said, that we need to speak to the registrar. Um, But he said, oh, is your SHO not going to speak to me? And I said, oh, I think she just knows. It's it's just the same response I had. Mm. And he said, well, no offense, but I don't really want to be speaking to F1 about this. I'd like to be speaking to a senior. Mm. To which I said, "Um, I don't understand why you bleep the FY1 and you've been speaking to me then. And then he hung up. Um, So I was a bit shocked because Mm. it was a colleague speaking to me like that. Obviously Mm. not somebody I knew personally. But um, I knew that he wasn't a registrar or consultant. He was an SHO, so he may have been maybe one or two years older than me. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I I don't think I'd actually been spoken to by anyone by that stage in that manner. Luckily, the SHO had been there to witness the end of that conversation and had witnessed that it was quite an inappropriate way to speak to a colleague. Um, I immediately messaged my registrar with the details and said, there's a patient that needs to be reviewed. And I started cracking on with my other jobs. But then I thought, actually, I wasn't very happy with the way he spoke to me. And maybe, I don't know, it was a bit 
at the end of my shift, I was a bit tired anyway, and it was just getting to me a bit. So I thought the best thing to do, and I tried to, or I did genuinely treat it like an SJT scenario where I thought, okay, let me go speak to him first before, you know, going behind his back or, you know, trying to escalate it without speaking to him. So I went down to the ward and um, I found who the doctor was and I said, oh, can I speak to you? And he he seemed a bit stressed and he was like, no, I'm on the phone. So I said, I know, I just want to speak to you afterwards. So whilst he was speaking to somebody else about something else, um, I just started documenting the conversation we had um, in the notes. And at that point, my registrar and SHO had actually arrived to come review the patient. So I had, in some sense, some backup. So the medical SHO finished the conversation and ignoring me, spoke straight to my registrar and said, oh, are you here to take the gallbladder out? Which is a very strange sentence <laughs> in itself. Um, and the registrar said, no, that's not quite how it works. But first of all, I'd like you to speak to my F1. Um, to that, he said, um, I'm not going to speak to an F1 and then stormed off. Um, well, he said, I'm not going to speak to an F1 if you as a registrar would like to speak about something surgical with me then I'm here and then he walked off um I got very emotional as you've noticed from my other case um and I got a bit teary because I just didn't expect to be spoken to in that way in person as well mm. um and I saw just how junior he was I think he was just a year above me mm. um maybe a locum rather than um actual foundation trainee mm. So I was quite shocked by that. And actually, one of the other medical SHOs was present. And the registrar then came in, the medical registrar of that ward. Um, so I carried on documenting, and I didn't really feel up to discussing it again. But obviously, now I had the SHO and the registrar having witnessed the case. Um, so I documented my bit, and I just walked off just to you know, try and gather my emotions. And then I found out that the consultant had heard about it and he wanted to speak to me so I went to speak to him and he was really really nicely he was very understanding and he was actually really outraged and he escalated it to their consultant um so that's kind of where I left it I yeah. basically had a difficult conversation with a colleague who I found was being quite rude and unsympathetic but also was going down the completely wrong route of how to get a patient referred um my SHO had witnessed it, the registrar had witnessed it, and it had been escalated to a consultant. And this is sort of like a perfect, perfect SJT scenario. It's almost like it's lifted from the textbooks and you followed the protocol as best as anyone could have. So I think it's a really good case of how to deal with not necessarily conflict, but um, professionalism issues at the workplace because you dealt with it so well. Um, and a lot of people might have just brushed that under the carpet and been like, you know, I'll have a, a little cry about it and move on. But then that doesn't address the issue. So, you know, going to speak to that person first was bang on. And then, so the way I actually stumbled across this case, Iram hadn't told me about it, but uh, we were working together on surgery at this point. Um, and I was discharging a patient. And I come across this wonderfully long entry with your classic inky pen that you stain everywhere. <laughs> and I recognised the handwriting, I think. So I, I made the effort to read this whole essay I mean it was pages of, I think it was two pages of writing and I think I messaged you something along the lines of <laughs> I really enjoyed this entry I think I might frame it um, mm -hmm. because for those of you who don't know Iram is the queen of documenting and I think it's something that I learned from her is to always document some of these interactions or you know phone calls that you're having with MedReg or 
anything that you think is worth documenting, just go and do it. I know sometimes you don't have the time to do it, but for example, in this case, it gives you backing. It's not just your word against theirs. Um, mm-hmm. And it means that it can be escalated. It means that the senior can get involved and, and at a later date review that documentation. And what was interesting is that you didn't know this, but um, the next page was actually a reply. It was almost like you guys were messaging through someone's oh, patient's God. notes. But the next page was a reply from the locum um, oh, SHO. And it was something along the lines of, I was shocked to see the lengthy clocking from the F1. Um, I was stressed and yada, 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 giving a few excuses. But yeah, really, I mean, really important case and a lesson that I learned as well is just to to always document and whenever you're not sure what to do, either ask someone for advice or think back to your SJT days and just analyze it in a way that will help you to rationalize the decisions you're making. Um, mm, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, that's all right. Great. So I think we've used up enough of these poor F-zeros. What do we, what do we call you guys now? I don't know. These <laughs> COVID helpers time. Um <laughs> So we're going to wrap it up to a close. Do you have any concluding remarks about tips that you want to give to the new F1s or anything? Um, I think I would really just say easier said than done, but um, try not to panic. Always look for help whenever you need it, whenever you feel like you're out of your depth. And genuinely, if it isn't good at the time, it will get better. Um, and if it is great at the time, just enjoy it as much as you can because it might get worse or it might get even better. But um, try not to compare yourself to others as well, either to their rotor, to their situation, to their teams, which are seemingly amazing. Yeah. Um, it's all just completely down to chance what type of day you'll have. And that's why some people love it. That's why some people hate it. But hmm. Well, trust you to end on a cheesy line like that. <laughs> well, thank you, Iran. All right. And I'll see you at work tomorrow. Bye, Kia.